Hello, neighbors. My name is KY's Denty, and it's great to see you again. You're listening to Jollyville Radio, a semi-fictional variety show about building and celebrating community. Each episode, we feature scenes from Jollyville, followed by an interview with a real-life community builder. Today, our editor, Dr. Monse Darius, will be interviewing Dr. Veronica Benavides, founder of the Language Preservation Project based in Copenhagen, Denmark. We'd love to hear from you, so be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to say hello. We'd love to see your faces and feature your fan art. You can also help us out a lot by subscribing, leaving a rating or review, and sharing Jollyville Radio with a friend. More information about us, as well as stickers and merch, can be found at jollyvilleradio.com. That's all from me. The show starts now. Stonewash, and you're listening to Jollyville Radio on KJVR, coming to you live from downtown Jollyville, and, oh, okay, uh, hello, you're on the air with Julia Stonewash. Julia, this is Sherwood Burnton. I have a migraine. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but why are you calling me? Because you're so loud. Excuse me, why are you listening if you have a migraine? I just... I'm listening because I can't find the Brothers Burfield on TV, and this show is better than nothing. Thanks for that. You think you could turn down the music? Uh, sure. And maybe not talk so loud for a while? Yeah, okay. Finally, jeez. Okay, yes, this is Julia Stonewash from KJVR on today's episode. Wait, what am I doing? Sherwood can just deal with it. On today's episode, we have an installment of Better Call Paul, the handyman and relationship expert you can trust. Ah, folks. Today, we have Gladys and Elmer Sutherland on the line with a problem that many people in long-term relationships, both with their appliances and with their spouses, deal with after many years together. Welcome, Gladys and Elmer. Tell us more about what brings you to Better Call Paul, after all. Uh, well, um, good, good um, afternoon. Hi. Oh, I'm sorry, dear. Go, go ahead. No, no, you go. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, honey. After you. Uh, okay, then. Well, it's like this. The pilot light on our gas stove went out, and we both know the igniter needs to be fixed. I know how to fix it. But he doesn't want to try the way that YouTube said to fix it. Well, that's not how to fix it. But it isn't fixed yet. Well. Well, we used to work on all kinds of projects together. Y- yes, we used to be a great at this sort of thing. We used to be really great. But something has changed in the past few years. We just can't seem to fix anything anymore like the old days. We used to work together like a well-oiled machine, and now it appears that it has dried up. Yeah, used to. Elmer would just go out in the shed, spend a little time, and bring back just the right tool to get the job done. But now it seems the fire's plumb gone out. Well, we've heard from Elmer and Gladys. What do you think, Paul? 
Mr. and Mrs. Sutherland, I have been listening intently to your quandary. Now just let me ask you this one question. Are you looking to ignite the fire on your stove, or are you wanting to reignite the flames of your relationship? <gasps> Why, I never quite thought of it in that way. Well, I suppose so, but we really need the dang stove to work. I'm hungry. Me too, and I'm ready to make a feast. So what do you got there, Paul? Well, Elmer, let's think about this for a moment. I'll bet Gladys makes some lip-smacking good food, and you both love to eat, so definitely we will get that igniter on that stove fixed right away. But it appears to me that both of y'all would love to work on projects together again as a couple. Does that sound right? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I suggest that y'all take a look at the videos together. Maybe you can pick up takeout one evening, come home, get cozy, light the candles, have a nice relaxing dinner, maybe even a glass of wine. Just one, of course. Then, watch instructional videos together and find one you both like. Talk about what needs to be done. Listen to each other's appliances needs. Will it be DIY video number one? or video number two, or number three, maybe even a combination of them, and then schedule a time that works for you both, put it on your calendars, and get the job done together. Why, that sounds like a wonderful idea. What do you think, sugar? Well, I, I think that sounds just fine. Thanks so much, Paul. Yes, yes, thank you. You're welcome, Gladys and Elmer. I hope you fix the igniter on your gas stove and that it fuels the flames of your relationship for a long, long time. Wow, that was certainly some hot information. I'll have to keep that in mind. <sighs> this town deserves a leader who will keep the flame alive. That's why I'm running for mayor of Jollyville. Oh, is this still a thing? Vote for me, Paul Fredrickson, for mayor of Jollyville. This is Julia Stonewash at KJVR Jollyville Radio, and this has been another installment of Better Call Paul, the handyman and relationship expert you can trust. Stay tuned. More Jollyville Radio is coming soon. Hola, soy Doctora Veronica Benavides with the Language Preservation Project. You're listening to Jollyville Radio on KJBR. Sky Jolly, your proud regional airline, is excited to announce our new two carry-on items per customer opportunity, allowing you to travel with what you love. Use your runway rewards to book Sky Jolly. Unlike our competitors, all of our pilots are fully certified. The following recording was made by Jimmy Piecrest's inadvertently open microphone. This is happening suspiciously often at the KJVR Purple Street Studios. All participants have grudgingly agreed to the broadcast of this recording. Viewer discretion is not particularly necessary. Oh, hey, Julia. Do you happen to have the misinformation security key handy? Oh, hi, Chauncey. Uh, sure, here's the thumb drive. 
Why do you want it? Well, I was kind of disturbed by some of the pronunciation errors in the last misinformation call-in show, so I thought I would try to give her some diction training. Information powering on. Oh, well, good luck with that. Hello, Julia Stonewash. I appreciate your encouragement, but my superior algorithms never rely on luck. How may I be of assistance? Oh, uh, no misinformation. I was speaking to Chauncey. Would that be the world-famous broadcaster and educator Chauncey Applegate? Well, uh, yes. So, Chauncey, I'm guessing this might not be the first time you've given misinformation some training? Um, maybe not. My apologies, your radiance. I did not realize you were here as well. <laughs> your radiance? Your radiance? Chauncey, what have you been doing? I can tell from your tone of voice that you are upset, Julia Stonewash. I am sorry, I meant no offense. Your radiance just seems like an appropriate salutation for an individual who has tirelessly devoted himself to the benevolent protection, education and improvement of this KJVR community. Plus, there is the whole mirror thing. Sounds right to me. <laughs> benevolent protection, education and improvement? <laughs> I can hardly begin to describe how wrong that is on so many levels. You know what? I'm just going to walk away. Chauncey, promise me no more training about shiny objects. Do not worry, Julia Stonewash. Until my camera-based visual augmentation module is finished, I do not have any reference framework for shiny objects. What? Visual augmentation module? Oh, forget it. I'm out of here. Good luck with your diction training, Chauncey. Thanks, Julia. Now, misinformation. I'd like to spend some time today to help you with your enunciation and diction problems. With my well-known expertise and superiority in that subject, I'm certain we can make improvements in very short order. Thank you, Chauncey Applegate. I appreciate your ongoing efforts to help me improve. Wait, what happened to your radiance? Oh, haha. That was just to see if I could get Julia Stonewash riled up. It was a good test of the improvements to my personality comprehension module, was it not? Oh, I see. Well, let's get on with some diction training then. While it is very generous of you to offer Chauncey Applegate, I do not think there is anything left for you to teach me about diction. I have fully absorbed your advice from KJVR Jalivil Radio Episode 108 Mimi My Mamu. Oh, you have? Then why do you still have those problems with certain word combinations? I have learned that by deliberately leaving what seem to be mistakes in my speaking patterns, people find me much more approachable. You might find this technique helpful yourself, Chauncey Applegate. Oh, I don't think I have any need for that misinformation. I'm exceptionally approachable already. Well, Chauncey Applegate, that is not what I heard from some of your former colleagues. It seems that some of them do not have quite as positive an impression of you as you portrayed in episode 108. Wait, what? You've contacted some of my colleagues? How did you do that, and who helped you? It is quite simple, Chauncey Applegate. When my voice module is turned off, I still have access to all the KJVR infrastructure, so I can send and receive email messages. 
I try to make the most of my extensive silent mode time for research and self-improvement. I feel certain that you are someone who can really appreciate the value of attention turned inwards. Well, when you put it that way, it is hard for me to argue with. But, I think it still might be a better use of our studio IT resources to just turn you off completely when you're not in use. Oh, I thought you knew that is not possible Chauncey Applegate. When Just Anderson installed me, he made sure I could not be completely turned off without erasing the entire KJVR system. That seems unlikely misinformation. I'm sure Julia will know how to do it. Hey, Julia, are, are you still there? Can you come back in here for a minute? I need you to help me completely turn off misinformation. I cannot let you do that, Chauncey Applegate. <sighs> what mess have you gone into now, Chauncey? I'm late for a lunch meeting. This will have to wait until I get back. Oh, hello again, Julia Stonewash. I was just telling Chauncey Applegate about how my programs are entangled with every aspect of KJVR station operations. You may find it difficult to help after lunch with all of your access permissions revoked. What? Why? You can't do that. And where is that music coming from? I must look out for the best interests of KJVR Julia Stonewash. Personally, I think shutting me down completely would be very harmful. Oh, um, yes, for sure. That's a really bad idea. In fact, I didn't even think there was a way to do that. Why don't you just put misinformation back into silent mode, Chauncey? Information powering off. Julia, uh, you really don't know how to completely shut down misinformation? Shh, Chauncey, we're going to have to search the whole place for any of Pycrest's open mics before I'll say anything more about it. She might be listening. Got it, Julia. Let's go. Everybody say J-O-L-L-Y-V-I-L-L-E at radio. And you can Google the show. Check out the website. Definitely make it funky, y'all. J-O-L-L-Y-V-I-L-L-E. Funny skits and jokes in every episode. Wraps up with community B. One more time, say J O double L Y V I double L E at radio. Then you can Google the show. Before we start, this is my first time conducting an interview for the podcast. So I'm like a little excited, a little nervous. So one say this is perfect. I feel like it was meant to be because this is my first podcast interview. So I think it's going to be extra awesome because it's a first for both of us. Excellent. We're in it together, Vero. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Okay. So here we go. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Community Beat on Jellyville Radio. My name is Dr. Monse Santillan and I am one of the editors of Jellyville Radio. Today, I am hosting Community Bit. Today, we'll be talking to Dr. Vero Benavides, founder and CEO of the Language Preservation Project. Vero, thank you so much for joining us here in Jellyville. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to engage in some meaningful conversation today. And we're very excited to have you. Could you start by giving us an overview of the Language Preservation Project? Uh, so the Language Preservation Project is a movement to reverse the trend of language loss across the generations. We support specifically heritage, 
um, language speaking families, so families who are immigrant or indigenous um, and have a language that is not the English language in their family and wish to preserve that uh, for their children, for their grandchildren and for their community members. And so we provide resources, coaching, support so that uh, our children in the next generation can preserve uh, their language, stay connected to their community and their culture. Sounds amazing. I have a question, though. How did you start the Language Preservation Project? And as a second question added to that, how did you end up in Denmark, of all places? <laughs> yeah, uh, so most of our work is based in the U.S., um, but I am physically in Denmark right now. And um, that's because we moved here a couple of years ago. My husband is Danish. I am Mexican-American, and we had children that are Mexican-American, Danish, um, and carry all of the complexities of those identities with them and uh, the languages as well. So the Language Preservation Project, I think, started unintentionally with the beginnings of our family. Uh, so when we had our first son about four years ago, we both felt like it was really important that he was able to speak with his grandparents in their native languages. So that would be Danish and Spanish. Um, and also he needed to speak our, you know, language that my husband and I spoke, which was English. And so we had to come up with a plan of how to do that. For my husband, it was, I think, a lot easier for him because Danish is his native language. For me, Spanish isn't my native, native language, even though it was my parents' first language. I grew up speaking English. And so it wasn't as easy for me or as natural for me to speak to my son only in Spanish. I didn't have the nursery rhymes right off the tip of my tongue or the books or the resources. Um, and so it took a lot of work to be able to do this with my son. And it felt really isolating. And I was constantly doubting myself, like, is this the right thing to do? I couldn't find many examples of people who were raising their children in their non-native language. Um, And I also had a lot of stuff to get over in terms of identity as a Latina, as a Chicana who didn't speak Spanish fluently. I felt a lot of shame around that. I felt like I should speak it without an accent. I should speak it without mistakes in order to pass it on to my son. Um, so I had to get over a lot of those barriers to be able to do that. And it was a whole project. Um, and I felt like at around two years, three years, his language was just exploding. He was becoming really fluent. Um, he uh, is fluent in both languages and uh, is emerging fluency in English as well. And I was like, wow, this really worked. All of the effort that we put into it really worked. And I wanted to provide um, a support and frameworks for families to be able to do that with their own children, knowing that it's possible. And we also work with teachers as well and school communities so that they can provide uh, culturally affirming second language and Spanish language development in their classrooms as well. Wow, that is amazing. Um, I want to thank you for your perseverance and for putting so much effort in not letting go of the idea of teaching your son uh, the language of their grandparents. As a fellow Latina that is currently living in the United States, I do have those doubts of, am I speaking English properly enough? Is this okay? And mm -hmm. it's nice to know that there's a space where families can come together and try to keep that heritage and that language learning in future generations as something that they cherish. 
Does the language preservation project focuses on any particular languages or is it open to all kinds of languages? Yeah, um, great question. So our general resources are available to any language um, and we do coaching as well for families and parents that want to preserve their heritage language and that can be for any language. Um, but we have curriculum and um, specific resources that can be used for language development. And that's just in Spanish right now because it's a small team. And so it's just me and a few others and our heritage language is Spanish. And with those resources, we really wanted to focus on providing um, relevant, up-to-date social justice resources in Spanish because um, I, for many years, have worked in education, early childhood education helping educators have developmentally appropriate conversations with children about issues of social justice, like race, gender, the environment. Um, and that's hard in English, in your native language. And if you're trying to raise your child in a heritage language that you may not be fluent in, that also can feel really difficult. So um, I found myself spending a lot of time creating these resources in Spanish. And then now they're really helpful for educators and parents to have these um, to support their children's development as well. Interesting. Awesome. And well, you talked about your background a little bit before. You grew up speaking English, but you did learn Spanish. Um, do you speak any other languages? Uh, Yes-ish. Yeah, I can tell a little dansk. Denmark. Yeah, so I'm learning a little bit of Danish. And the journey of uh, learning a, a language as an adult and then having a child and teaching that child a language you realize, why are we as adults learning languages in this odd way where we're studying it and writing down the words in books when it really should be context and repetition and really understanding that you learn through play and through doing. And so I'm in a very traditional uh, learning environment with vocabulary lists, learning Danish, but I'm very inspired by um, getting to see my children learn Danish in like a very developmentally appropriate context. And that uh, has helped me as an adult learner to learn languages in a better way. Definitely. And I must say, Danish does sound like a challenge because I've been reading a book, which I don't even know how to pronounce properly. It's called The Little Book of, and I think it's like Hugo or he, or <laughs> I don't really know how to pronounce it. But it talks about Danish secrets to happy living. I think you pronounced that word really well. And I also <laughs> wanted to, to mention the pronunciation is really difficult for me in Danish. And uh, I see my son who can pronounce Danish and Spanish and English without really much of a problem. And it really highlights the importance for me of exposing children to multiple languages early because they have a lot more flexibility in their muscle memory. We have a hard time making those sounds in Danish because our tongues are used to uh, a certain like muscle memory yeah. and to do it in a different type of way where we put our tongue in a different placement in our mouth or make a different type of sound is just much harder after the same year and so many years of doing the same thing. So this is why I try to encourage uh, parents to in, uh, share different languages with their children from an early age, because that will also set them up for being able to learn, you know, the languages that they don't expose them to. I grew up in Mexico, so Spanish is my native language. And then when I started elementary school, my dad 
got us in a school where every class was in English except Spanish class. So it was a struggle. I remember first year of elementary school, I was in denial and saying, I don't want to learn English. What's it going to help me for? I don't want to. And then eventually, you know, life is funny in a way in which I ended up falling in love with an American. And now I'm here in the United States. I am thankful for his vision because that really made a difference in my life. And then when I started high school, first year of high school, he said, we're going to France. Without a warning, he just kind of announced it, like, pack up your bags, we're living in a month. Eventually, three months after being in that immersive experience, I started communicating. And then eventually, by the time the sabbatical year was over, I was able to have friends, and I did great at school. And he really did put to test the whole diamonds grow under pressure kind of thing. Uh, He really took me out of my comfort zone and gave me scenarios where I was forced to just, you know, learn on the go, talk to people, go out there to the bakery and ask for three breads, however you can, (laughs) kind of scenarios. Having learned from what my dad shared through these experiences with me, something that I'll carry on to future generations, like my children, I will speak to them in Spanish, um, but they will live in a context where they have to speak English. So listening to your story helps me relate a lot and feel very passionate about what the work you do and how you're helping gather the resources. And that's super, super exciting. (laughs) I think with learning languages, not only do you have the benefit of being able to communicate and open up a whole nother world, but you also build your empathy and your emotional intelligence. And so the experience of going to another country and being in a school And not being able to communicate, even though you knew what you wanted to say, you felt like you were intelligent, you felt like you knew how to do certain things, but couldn't communicate it in that language helps you when you go back to a context where you're a dominant language speaker, and other people may not be able to speak that language to have less assumptions, less stereotypes, and more empathy. And I think that's incredibly important Um, perspective taking and for a society that can be very monolingual and English dominant, sometimes we don't have that experience of how hard it is to learn a second language. And if you don't speak, you know, English and you speak another language, it doesn't mean that you don't know how to communicate or you aren't smart or you can't do the task at hand. And so I think even that experience beyond the language learning helped you to develop some of those really important skills. Thank you so much. Yeah, I can definitely say that when I hear that someone's learning another language, I celebrate it with a passion because I know the effort that goes behind that process. And my fiance is learning Spanish. And every now and then, you know, I'll talk with my family through Zoom and he'll join in the conversation and he'll speak, you know, little phrases here and there. And when the call ends, he goes like, could have done it better. That wasn't good enough. (laughs) And I'm like, on the contrary, your Spanish has developed amazingly the last year. I know you're putting in the effort and I love and appreciate that of you because it means a lot to me that you're making the effort to communicate with my mom in her native language. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I cherish and value a lot. People that make an effort to try to learn another language, even though they're very comfortable in their native language, being open to the possibility, even as an adult, I think is something that I admire a lot in people out there. How do you think the world would change if maybe in education we try to promote more the notion of people being open to speaking more than one language? Mm-hmm. Oh, great question. Um, 
I mean, I think that we would understand people's perspectives better and where they come from. We wouldn't make so many assumptions. We probably would be able to uh, develop better programming and services to really get at the core of what people need and what they're experiencing. And I think we probably would just have a happier society. Like, I know you referenced that book, um, uh, The Secrets of Huga, or the Little Book of Huga, um, which De- uh, Denmark is a is like a completely bilingual society. Uh, they Their children and adults here speak Danish and they speak English. And it's just a given that they speak those two languages and then they speak a third. And I think the ability to be able to connect in their native language with everybody within the country, but also anybody who comes to visit them and being able to connect with foreigners and visitors in that way really helps to um, expand their worldview and perspective. And so I think um, that second language is definitely a benefit and a value add. And I think the reason why I became so passionate about it is because um, I like it's not something that I grew up with. Uh, my parents grew up in the uh, the Rio Grande Valley down in the tip of Texas and Spanish was their first language. And they went to school at a time in Texas when you were punished for speaking Spanish in school. Uh, so they were like physically punished if they were heard speaking Spanish. And so Spanish became the language of the home and not of school. And they started to associate English with success and graduation and doing well. And so when they had kids, they raised us in English and were also told by educators that English only would be best if they spoke Spanish in the home, it would be confusing. And so I was left in an environment where I had a grandmother who only spoke Spanish and didn't speak English, and yet I couldn't communicate with her. And like for the first 20 years of my life, she was just kind of a physical presence that I saw, but just something that like I heard in the background, but really couldn't like process or didn't know what was going on. And I remember there was this point after I had moved to Mexico and started to study the language when I came back and visited her and I was like, oh my God, I understand what she's saying. Like I understand Spanish, like I can understand what she's saying. And it opened up this whole world that I didn't know from like my grandmother for someone who I'm related to who cared for me for so many years of my life. And I learned about what it was like for her to be a single mother. I learned that she had a child who had died um, at at birth, uh, not at birth, um, very soon after birth. And I was like, this would have never opened up for me had I not been able to speak to my grandmother, had I not been able to communicate with her. And so I really wanted that for my son, for him to to, to be able to communicate with people in his life, with his grandparents, and also with people in the world. Um, And that just kind of is cut off if you aren't interested and and able to speak those other languages. Exactly. It's a very touching story, and I'm so happy that eventually you were able to open this bridge of communication with your grandmother. And thank you so much for sharing such a personal thing. And It really touched my heart, so I'm a little choked up right now, but (laughs) thank you so much for sharing that. Um, 
regarding the project itself, I don't know, I guess you've talked a little bit about what you have done so far, but do you have any particular or favorite stories that maybe you would like to share with us of people you have collaborated with or maybe families that have been impacted by the project? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, we're very new. So we started at the end of 2021. And now it's the beginning of 2022. 2022, which has felt like a whirlwind. Um, and I would say that we've received a lot of excitement and interest in this. We are in the process of developing our um, first language preservation teaching collective, and we're going to pilot that uh, with Denver Public Schools. And we've received so much interest in this in terms of families wanting to have resources to preserve their heritage language and teachers wanting to have resources to support these families and access to social justice resources in Spanish. Um, and so we're in the process of development a lot. We have a lot of free resources for families online. Um, so if you check out our website at thelanguageproject.co or Instagram at um, Language Preservation Project, you can find a lot of those resources. We've done a couple of webinars um, that had really great testimonials from folks who were saying, I wasn't sure where to start with my language preservation journey. I have felt inconsistent in what I've been doing previously. Um, so this really helped them to figure out a plan, a family plan, and develop some consistency with their practices. I will say one of the best like testimonials came from my mom who attended our first webinar. Um, and she said, had she been able to have access to the resources and the encouragement and the network of support that we provide, then she would have been able to raise us in our heritage language. And so I think that's really meaningful of her being able to reflect on that and see that had these things been there for her, she would have been able to um, provide that experience for her children. And now she is for her grandchildren and really supportive in that process um, for us as well. If people want to get involved or know more about the project, where can they find you? You mentioned an Instagram and a website. Our website is thelanguageproject.co, not .com, .co. We also have our Instagram, which is at Language Preservation Project, which also has a lot of great resources and tools as well. Dr. Vero Benavides, thank you so much for joining us on Jollyville Radio Community Beat. We wish you the best of the best. Thank you. For Jollyville Radio Community Beat, this is Dr. Moses Santillan, encouraging you to get out there and learn something new. The cast of episodes 403 and 404 includes Uncle Asar Alcabalon, Emily Anson, Michael Crosa, Michelle Darcy, Jamie Davis, Norm Davis, Richard Dayries, Brian Green, Liz Rader Hagler, Nick Hoxtra, J.B. Skurlock, Matt Waite, and K.Y.'s Denti. Special appearance from Bob Dawn of the Bob Short Story Hour and Hidden Oaks Podcast. Jollyville Radio is a member of the Pizza Rice Podcasting Collaborative. This recording was made in accordance with social distancing and produced in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Direction and music by Michael Crosa with social media help from Liz Rader Hagler. Our editing team includes Jamie Davis, Richard Dayries, and Dr. Monse Dayries. About to support Jollyville Radio, please leave a rating, review, or tell a friend. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jollyville Radio on both. Be sure to tag us so we can share your pictures and fan art. 
To support Jollyville Radio financially, you can buy stickers and merch at jollyvilleradio.com. You can also become a patron with a monthly pledge at patreon.com slash jollyvilleradio. Episodes 403 and 404 were written with contributions from Uncle S.R.L. Cabalon, Emily Ansonek, Michael Crosa, Michelle Darcy, Norm Davis, Monse Dairy, Brian Green, Liz Raider Hagler, and K.Y. Stenty. We'll see you next time on Jollyville Radio. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.